right? You have to write down on, on paper what you want. You, you can't just keep these, these dreams in your head. You have to put action to it. And in, in regards to being you know, a forever student, for me, that's because I'm never satisfied. I, I, can, I can learn so much about a topic, but then I go back to work and I put that topic to action. Mm -hmm. And then I start to figure out that I still don't know much about that topic. And so I go back to the same person, whether it's a course, whether it's a mentorship, whatever it is, I go back to the same person. Hey, man, I went back to work. I tried this topic. And yeah, some of it made sense, but then I failed. So how can I get a little bit more? Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education gear to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and today we have the, the man, the myth, the legend. I haven't used that yet, Ron. I'm saving it for you, Mr. Ron Inserta. Uh, welcome. Yeah, man. Thank, thanks for having me. This is great. Um, so a little background um, from what I know about you. Please fill in the gaps. But uh, strength coach out in Dallas, you train anyone from like NFL athletes, grapplers, Olympians, uh, youth athletes, gen pop. Am I missing anything? Yeah, there's a bunch in between. Um, you know, when it comes to sports, everything, NFL, NHL, PGA, MLB, you know, the traditionals. Got track and field. Um, been doing a lot of work with uh, military guys. Yeah. Um, spec ops, uh, SEAL team. Yeah, the kind of umbrella underneath there. Um, but yeah, besides that, you know, I got soccer moms. I got, I got, <laughs> I got, I got executive dads. I, I got all kinds, everything in between. What is that shift like going from, like, do you ever train like a SEAL Team 6 person and then right away you get the, you know, gen pop, as you said, soccer mom come in? Yeah. What's that mentality change for you or is it the same thing when you're training them? No, it's the same. It's the same. Um, you know, maybe the choice of words that I use with, uh, you know, the SEAL Team guys versus, uh, let's say, the soccer mom. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe my approach, my, my empathy might, might be a little bit different, but ultimately, you know, my, my foundation is the same, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I'm just as tough on my soccer moms as I am with any of the, the, the seal, like green beret army ranger guys, like any of those. I figure you'd be nicer to the ranger guys cause you don't want to upset them. No, no, I don't, I don't. no the, those guys are really tough. And not only that, but they, they are very genuine and respectful. Um, you know, they're, they're coming into work, mm -hmm. right? They, they come and see a guy like me, um, because they're, they're obviously not getting it from where, where they're coming from. Um, and, and there, there's a, there's a very deep mutual respect, right? Like I look up to them, they're looking up to me. And so both of us, you know, standing in the same, in this room together, um, eyes open, ears open, like, Hey, we, we want to make everybody better. So, um, you know, one thing I, I've noticed about you is you're almost like a secret hidden person in the background. Um, and you've sort of proven a lot of things that people would think wrong. Like you have this gym right now. What's the square footage on it? Oh man, right now it's tiny. We've, we've got maybe 1800 square feet. Yeah. 1800 square foot gym. You're seeing pro athletes. You're seeing all these high end clientele, people who performance is like really tied into their job. Uh, you definitely have some nice equipment, but I think up until about a year or two ago, like you didn't have the same level of equipment, right? You were just sort of. No. Yeah. I, I recently, uh, exchanged my entire, um, equipment line. Uh, you know, when, when I started my first facility back in 2014, uh, I bought pretty much everything rogue, mm -hmm. right? Rogue power systems, like, you know, the, these mainstream brands R rogue is very accessible. Um, 
it's also very robust, right? So I bought like their kind of one of their like top it's rogue bust, uh, rogue bust. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bought all that stuff when I started the company. Um, it's great equipment. It really served its purpose. Um, but now I've built up uh, enough capital to where I was able to convert mm-hmm. uh, into the specialty equipment, right? So like you, you can get from point A to point B in a, in a Toyota Prius, n- no problem, right? Um, but we're, we're running a truly specialized system now to where we need, we need to be operating it at Porsche level, right? So you've been, how long have you been strength coaching? I would consider myself transitioning from a personal trainer, which I, which started about 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. I really became kind of classified as a strength coach maybe nine years ago. Actually, I would like to go into that a bit because yeah. um, it's something I think that a lot of people don't understand the difference of. Um, what do you view as a personal trainer versus a strength coach? Well, before I get deep into that, I think a strength coach can be a personal trainer, I, but a personal trainer cannot be a strength coach. Okay. Th- those are two, two different things. Um, personal trainer is going to be someone that, uh, you know, has your, your very basic entry level certifications. Um, you know, they, they can get the job done, right? Uh, they, they can see your, your general population person from point A to point B. Um, they, they stand by your side, right? They, they can do everything that they learned in that curriculum. Like, let's say from like an NASM, I mean, ACE, uh, here in Dallas, we have Cooper Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these are, are you, know, you can get your certified uh, personal trainer license, right? But a strength coach is, it, it's just next level, right? It, it, there's a little bit more to the dynamic of the job. And there, there's just more things on our plate, right? So usually a, a strength coach, obviously we're dealing with athletes. At this, mm-hmm. um, if, if that's the, the nomenclature for our job, right? Um, strength coach, we're dealing with athletes. So not only are we, we dealing with their physical performance, uh, we're also looking at their mental performance. Um, we're having to weigh things. You know, if, if we've got uh, middle school, high school kids, uh, college kids, we have to make sure that we are understanding what they're de- what they're dealing with academically, with what they're dealing with, um, with their with their sports curriculum, because um, we're we're obviously like the third party, right? So by the time they get to us, you know, we're we're having to kind of dive a little bit deeper, ask more questions, like, hey man, how's your week going? You know, what what do your practices look like? What is your 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 weight room at, at school look like? Mm-hmm. And then from there we're trying to fill in the gaps. So, you know, one thing I've always been curious, like, uh, cause Charles would talk about this a, a lot is like, you have your plan with an athlete, but then stuff like you just said gets in the way. So if you're strength coaching somebody, so how do you assess, like, how often are you, I guess, deviating from your plan based off the life that happens for these athletes when you're strength coaching? Versus, let's say, if you're just personal training somebody. Yeah, so personal training, right? So when I look at, like, your, your conventional health club-style gym, yeah. personal training is a little bit more relaxed, right? The, the, that customer, that, that client is not as much on a tight schedule. Um, usually that person is, yeah, they're motivated, but they're also not, um, they're not ready to be doing the, the super high intensity stuff. Um, so it's just a little bit more relaxed in, in kind of the just personal training scenario. Um, now, obviously with that being said, there, there's levels to personal training, mm-hmm. right? So like there, there's you, you and I both know numerous personal trainers um, in the field that are obviously like upper level personal trainers. Yeah. You're right. They, they might not qualify themselves necessarily as a strength coach just because of the dynamic of their uh their their client roster but they're they're definitely upper level personal trainers yeah um and as far as like a like the strength coach like what i'm trying to figure out is um this detail needed to be a strength coach because i think you you take a lot of pride 
in in doing what you do and results are very forefront, but I see you as a very detail-oriented person. So like somebody comes in, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your process. So let's say I'm an athlete. Let's just go into a delusion that Jordan Boxer is an athlete, okay? And I come in and I'm competing in jujitsu. Um, what notice do you, like what's your intake like of me walking into the gym as a strength coach? Like what are you looking for to see if like, okay, are we actually going to do this session I had planned versus maybe I have to change up the plan a bit? Yeah, so I think that's um, that. It's a constant moving moving target. Yeah. Um, so, the answer to your question is specific to this detail, right? So let let's talk about jujitsu. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I've trained a ton of jujitsu guys, right? Um, and I've taken numerous top level black belts into all of the majors, from Pan Ams to Worlds. Um, international majors. Um, so I, I've seen quite a bit. So specific for your question, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's a very complex sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be a very intense sport. Um, guys that train Jiu-Jitsu four to five days a week can really only strength train maybe two to three days a week. Um, now, obviously, there, there's margin on that, right? Because um, what I've noticed is these guys that are training high-level jujitsu, right, four or five days a week um, at kind of like a competition rate, they're just not able to recover. And so the strength training really has to be dialed in and really has to be monitored. So your question on me observing one of my top-level competition athlete, jiu-jitsu athletes, when they walk in the door, I'm, I'm looking at the plan on my sheet, and I'm looking at them walking in the door, and I'm trying to immediately identify where they're at today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's also very difficult for jiu-jitsu, um, I've got guys that compete in one or two tournaments every month. So think about that from a peaking standpoint. Right. Right. So like NFL, super easy. I've got three to five months in the off season. Okay. So I've got a long time to train my NFL athletes in the off season. And then I know that they have to go to camp in June, July. And then I know that they're, they're going to start preseason and all that stuff in August and they're going to ramp up. But jujitsu is way different. Because you've got majors from January through December. Uh, early season, you're looking at uh, a lot of the gi competition. You know, later in the year, you're looking at a lot of no gi competition. Um, well, guys, guys are, are starting to do both gi and no gi. So now these, these guys that are getting into jujitsu um, at that level, they're competing 12 months a year. So how are you ever supposed to truly peak that person, right? How and do you peak a person like that? It, it's it's very closely monitoring um, this athlete's status. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's several ways that we do that. Um, one of the most effective ways that, uh, that, that I've introduced um, in the past couple of years has been monitoring their training through uh, velocity-based training. It's the easiest way to identify where they're at, where they're at. Yeah. Because, um, you know, let's say, uh, you know, just for very simple terms, uh, that day I had, uh, I've got plans for this jujitsu guy to do, I don't know, five sets at, you know, five sets of five. So right. Like approximately 80 to 85%. Um, if they start getting under that bar and in their warmups, they're moving too slow based on the prior week because you know, I, I record everything so I can see all their velocity from the previous weeks. What right? do you, what do you use to track velocity? Uh, right now we're using a product called perch perch fit. Okay. Um, there's several out there. there. There's, there's a few different items we've used to push. I know uh gym, gym aware is, is quite popular. Honestly, you know, yeah, I, I, we, right now we're using perch fit and it, it works. It works great for what it is. Okay, so somebody's coming in, um, you get them under the bar, you're tracking their velocity, you see a decrease. Yeah, so, so if that bar's not moving, 
guess what we're not doing? Squats? Well, no, we're, we're just not chasing that 85%. So what would you dial it down to? Like, do you have a formula in your head built? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I don't have, um, what I don't have are um, absolutes, right? Because when it comes to what we're talking about right now, if you live on absolutes, you, something's going to go wrong. Um, you know, when I first started training a lot of jujitsu athletes, um, it was based fundamentally on the same system that I operate now, but I lived on absolutes. And what I noticed was a lot of these guys have trashed lower backs, right? So every single top level jujitsu guy that, that I've worked with, lower back problems all day. Okay. And so, you know, eventually we get them to where they're squatting. But again, it, it's one of those, um, it's, there's always the possibility that it's there. So, you know, in, th in this scenario, um, what I would do is either back off the load that we're going for. Uh, that way we can maintain the velocity goal. Mm -hmm. Or um, I'll just completely come back and maybe I'll go into... Um, Maybe I'll put them into split squats and I'll deload the spine. So I'll, I'll, I'll move them from a barbell maybe into dumbbells with the arms down by the side. It's just kind of dependent, right? So I know if they've got a high-intensity uh, jujitsu training week, then I'm certainly not going to overload them on the barbell. Just because I know for, I know for just based on the statistics and my own record book, I know their, their lower backs are very at risk. So I think we're highlighting the difference between a personal trainer and a strength coach a little bit through this approach. Um, what I think is interesting for some people listening, I know our strength coaches know, but this idea of like, what is a personal trainer? What is a strength coach to the gen pop? They don't have, I don't really think they understand the level of detail that a coach of your level goes into when he's dealing with an athlete. Like there is no plan that you're like, there's no simple program you're writing that they're getting for three weeks. And then they're going to switch to the next three week program. And then the next three week program, like you're really treating every day as almost a unique experience. You have some idea to it, but the need to be able to adapt is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's even, you know, th this is like a whole separate conversation as well, but it even goes into, uh, the, the business model behind behind what what I do um the business model behind you know, how I charge mm -hmm. um because every single session with me is I'm I'm constantly evaluating you know versus again living by absolutes okay you want a boilerplate program that's fine here's your boilerplate and go over here you're gonna, you're going to deal with um you know one of my my entry level assistant coaches or or the interns um, which again, like they wouldn't be working for me if, if, yeah. if I didn't think that they were capable. Um, but if you want a bullet plate program, like you're, you're going to be over here. Um, and I think, I think the, the, the industry of personal training, um, am I allowed to, am I allowed to cuss on here? You can do whatever you want. I think the, the industry of personal training is fucked. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, from, from the consumer perspective, everybody walks in like, oh, well. I got a six pack. Listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh man, it's even worse. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to watch my words here. Um, You're allowed to be moderately politically incorrect. Moderately. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, it's, uh, okay. Look, like we, we, we charge a lot of money for our, our services. Okay. And who, who. Who's capable of affording our services? Wealthy people that, that are pretty smart. They're pretty educated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with that comes wealthy people who are educated, who are very smart, who have done very well for themselves, but they think that they can come in and they know how to do my job. Like, hold on, hold on. So that's where, you know, because to, to them, we're, we're just a service provider. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they, they've had other strength coaches. You know, if you can see my little quote, quotation marks here. No, it's only know, audio, but yeah. you're quoting your words. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they've, they've, they've had other strength coaches. They've had speed agility coaches, you know, down by the park at their house. They've had blah, 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 you know, at their private schools. But because everything that we do is so monitored, it's, 
um, the 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 price point for our service is is that, that's why it is. Yeah, and I think you know one of the key tenants at um, Designs for Sport is we want to help elevate the industry. And what do we mean by that? And it's a not take away like you know one of my best friends Andrew Baker. I think you've met. Like he says, I'm a str- I'm a personal trainer. I'm not a strength coach. He, he said that to me straight out. He's like, it's not that I can't strength coach. I just would rather personal train and get people transformations. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not that personal training is a different, an under level, but um, it's this idea of what you're saying. Our industry is quote unquote fucked because there's no barrier to entry, really. There's a, a simple course you can take, like you mentioned. Uh, some people don't even take courses and they go in to start training. And a lot of it comes down to sort of marketing upfront now people are able to market a certain image of themselves i've had a lot of conversations with like ben prentice about this preston green dave like guys that we look up to and we look at as as um, sort of giants in this space and it is this idea of like oh you can just have a uh, instagram now with five hundred thousand followers show yourself doing some bicep curls and people will buy your program versus hearing somebody of your level like the detail that goes in and the precision that goes into writing that perfect or sort of being that strength coach that's going to get them the maximum results um so so sorry so to go back to your your story so you so uh it was 17 years ago you started training is that what you said yeah so let's see i started working at my first gym i begged for my first job at, at the gym um this was back in uh let's see maybe 2006 uh, so 2006, uh, I lived here in Uptown Dallas. Uh, back then, Uptown was completely different. Um, there, there was one gym in town that was the gym. And of course, I, I got my first credit card, uh, you know, at 18. I put, I put the gym membership on my credit card that I couldn't even afford. Um, and it's better than other things, so. Yeah, well, I'm sure there were some other things too, but. Um, so, you know, I'm working out at this gym because it was just so cool, so fascinating to me. And after the first month, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a small gym. So I'm walking in, I'm saying hi to the manager and everything. I'm like, Hey man, like, I would love to work here. Like, are you guys hiring? You know, of course he kind of, he gave me the runaround like week after week. He was like, Hey, check back next week. The owner's out of town. Hey, check, you know, same the same story. Like literally for probably about four or five weeks, this guy was just sick of me. Um, and he finally said, hey, come in in about three weeks. Uh, l- let's talk. So it took me about two to three months, right? Um, finally, he was like, hey, we're going to give you a job. You know, I think that, I th- man, I might, I might have gotten like eight fifty an hour. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you mind sharing with what you charge now? Are you comfortable? Uh, or would you rather not? What I, what I charge? Um, I can tell you that uh, on, on average, it's about... Uh, 350, 375. An hour? For the hour, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important for people listening now, especially coaches maybe in the beginning of their career, yeah. to hear that that's a possibility. Yeah. I would say on average right now, it's about 350 to 375 because nothing that I do really is uh, one-on-one mm-hmm. simply because people can't afford 500 an hour, you know? Um, but um, because I'm able to be dynamic, Right. And because of how I've systemized my business model, um, it's very simple for me to operate with several people in the room. Um, and plus I've got assistants there. Right. And so, yeah, it, there's, it, yeah, it, it, it works really well. It's very smooth. Um, but yeah, so let's go back. So you're making eight fifty an hour. Yeah. So I'm, are you training people I, at this point? No, no. So like I was probably like 18 years old. I'm literally Checking people in at the front desk, wiping mirrors, wiping toilets, like all, all the, all the basic stuff. Um, about six months into it, I'm starting to look at all the personal trainers. And of course, you know, the personal trainers, they're making a way more money. Um, and so I start training with them and asking them like, Hey, like, who can I learn from? What should I do? Um, you know, back then Cooper clinic, right? Dr. Kenneth Cooper, um, his certification program, um, was kind of like the gold standard. Um, so I went and I, I did that. And so that was, I was probably 19 years old is when I got my first certification. Uh, my, my first ever private client, uh, that's, that's where it started. Uh, I was living in a building across the street. Um, 
And there, there was a concierge guy at the front desk, and he pulled, pulls me aside as I was walking in. And uh, he goes, hey, 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 uh, there's an older woman who gave me her number and said she saw you working out in the gym upstairs. Did you get excited? Uh, well, I was confused. <laughs> you know, I was you confused. Like, Does she want me for dinner? Or? Yeah, yeah, like, where is this going? <laughs> you know, I charge for these things. Uh, um, and so, you know, I call her. And uh, she's like, hey, I'm looking for a personal trainer. And I told her, I was like, hey, I'm not a personal trainer. Um, she goes, I know, but like, I, I, I saw you working out. You look like you know what you're doing. Um, well, so I, I meet this lady. She's super nice. Um, she's all, she was 64 years old. Okay. So she's 64 years old. She comes downstairs and meets with, meets with me. And she's maybe 5'4 at the tallest. Okay. And she's, she's probably almost as wide as she is tall. Oh, wow. Sweet old lady, though, okay? So she's like, hey, um, I've been living here for two years. I've been living between the the apartment upstairs and an RV at the hospital. My husband had a double lung transplant. And, you know, I've put on maybe 50 pounds in the past two years. You know, I smoke like mm -hmm. two packs of cigarettes a day, and I've got all these, like, medications. And so think about 18-year-old me. I'm like, what the fuck? So I, you know, and but I'm a huge, I'm a huge, um, my, I, I'm very empathetic. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, like I work at the gym across the street. We've got a bunch of doctors. Like let me let me go ask them if if they can help like figure this figure this out. So I go back to the gym. Um, I talk to uh, a, a few of the doctors that I, that I had a relationship with. And they're like, hey, like, go check out this book, X, Y, and Z. One of the books was about fibromyalgia. Okay. Okay. And so, again, 18-year-old me reading a book about fibromyalgia. Um, another book that I, that I was a nutrition book, um, I think it was uh, uh, Dr. Barry Sears, The Zone, The Zone Diet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I read four books within five days. Um, I went back to the lady and I was like, hey, remember, I'm not a personal trainer, but Here's what I've done. Here's what I've researched. And here's my opinion. Um, she ended up hiring me that day. And she paid me $75 an hour for sessions. What was that like? I th I, dude, That's I, almost I was, 10 hours of work. Dude, I was making $8.50 an hour. And I know. Then, then automatically this, this lady's paying $75. And that was her offer. That's not like what... what you could have negotiated if you were I now. Did, I didn't negotiate anything. <laughs> you were just like, sure, I'll take it. Sure, I'll take it. You know? Um... But I'm talking very, very basic stuff, nothing special. And then from that, this lady stopped smoking within 60 days. Her, her life changed, and she did everything that I was asking. And again, I didn't know anything. I, didn't, I knew nothing. How, how did you start to influence, like, what is your, sorry, continue. I'll ask you this after. Yeah, so basically, that, that's, that's, my, that's my starting story, right? That's what really opened my eyes to what I do now. And, you know, one thing I can say uh, since I've known you is like, there's a lot of guys who probably you're making three seventy five an hour. You're training all these NFL guys, NBA guys, hockey guys, this goes on. You've hit a, a certain point where you're financially successful. Your results speak for themselves. You have your own gym, but I see you at a lot of conferences. Like even right now you're, you're drinking a kilo uh, shaker cup on the floor like I saw you at kilos last year, you come to our summits or you're, you know, you're always at Charles's events. So it seems like this thirst for knowledge, like you read four books in five days, you come to all these conferences, like how have you maintained the desire to keep learning? Like, why don't you feel satisfied and what pushes you to keep learning? Oof, man, that's, uh, how what was your first question? How do I... Like, how do you, you, you know, you're not satisfied with your knowledge. You're not fully satisfied, which is why you keep learning. Yeah. Um, one thing that Charles would teach me was like, go somewhere and get one piece of information. Like when we're doing these podcasts to me, I'm like, how do I get three or five really good tidbits of information from someone like you to the personal trainers, the strength coaches, the dietitians listening? Like, how can we help them achieve a little bit? better, more efficient results. But you, it's like you've gained all this knowledge. You've built, you've, you've sort of hit where a lot of people might say is the end point in their career to keep just working on, but you still have this strong desire to go learn and invest. You st I still see you invest tons of money into your education. 
go to conferences all over. It's still a massive priority. Yeah, I would say on average, like my, my average spend on education per year, probably 25000 So you're spending two k a month just on education? Yeah. What that, would you say the ROI is on that for someone listening? Like if they're like, 2 k is a lot of money, but... Okay, well, that that's pretty... That's pretty simple to figure out if uh, I'm currently working and and billing at three seventy five an hour. Right. Right. I mean, I could I could show you my I can show you my my taxes right now and show you, show you how much I made last year. But <laughs> no, we don't a, need that, to. It's like you know, proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Um, but I think to answer your question on the education piece, um, first off, with with the kilo, right, um, Stefan. And the, the Kilo team, they'll all tell you, uh, I haven't just been to one of their courses. I've been to all of their courses. And I haven't just been to all of their courses. I've been to numerous courses. Multiple times. Multiple times. Um, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll probably listen to this at one point, so he'll be, he'll be very proud. But I, like his sports performance course, for example, I think I've already been to maybe four or five times. Um, with, with Charles, right? Um, Charles is, is the first one who opened my eyes to what is beyond the planet Earth, so to speak, right? Um, Charles is the first one that pointed out all the stars in the sky. Um, anybody who knows Charles or learned from Charles um, also knows that like, there, it was kind of difficult to learn from him sometimes because of everything that he tried to share mm-hmm. um it was so abstract so like not maybe abstract's not the right word but um the way he taught because he was so high level like if you only took one course from charles and this is actually part of my bigger point if you only take one course your roi is going to be very minimal so mm-hmm. if you want to get the best roi from whatever piece of information you're trying to retain, you need to go to that course multiple times because just going to a course doesn't make you a master of that course, right? So how am I able to, um, yeah, sure, you know, charging what I charge is not is not what I what wakes me up every morning, right? Doing my job is what makes me wake up. Doing my job is what makes me happy. Like, you know, I. Because even like when we were talking yesterday, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm getting more into the gym. How do you say it? Gymnastia or. Yeah, that that's uh, that, that's just my my personal workouts that I'm I'm getting back into. Um, but it's this idea that you've never allowed yourself to fit in a box mm-hmm. and stay in the box. Well, because I feel like I've never been in a box. I've always I've always had my I've always been alone in in, in my own box. Right. So. Um, I've had a bunch of people ask me, uh, you know, through, through emails, through DMS, um, I, I get, uh, I get this question quite a bit, like how, how can I learn to do what you do? And it's very hard for me to put that into words because you can't, if you want to do what I do and then you need to go back into my personal history and you need to go through the shit that I had to go through because nobody's had to go through what I've had to go through, right? So, like, I've, I've been homeless twice. Like, I, I had to sleep in the back of a pickup truck twice in my life, right? And, and both times was, like, a month a month each time. Um, if, if you want to try to figure out exactly what, how, what, what got me here today, then go do that, right? But what wisdom can you impart on somebody, like, it's because I had the same thing happen. I was uh, talking to someone. They're like, can you teach me? Like, I do this like coaching technique with people, this breath work type stuff. And they're like, oh, I'm working with someone. Can you teach me how to do it? And I was like, no, I can't. Because it's like all this stuff I learned from investing. Very similar to you. I've spent $100,000 on learning these different sc- these skills and these tools. But I think there, for the people listening, there's still a wisdom you can impart on them. On like this idea. I think the most fascinating thing about you the results and all that sort of the end goal, but like the forever student and for trainers and strength coaches and people who are in this field and like, this is their career. 
like there's people who do this as a part-time job and it's like one thing, but like for someone like you, where you've dedicated your life to this craft, what, like, yeah. How, how do you get someone to really understand the idea of needing to be a permanent student? You just have to, you have to, you have to write down on paper what, uh, what you want, right? You have to write down on, on paper what you want. You, you can't just keep these, these dreams in your head. You have to put action to it. Um, and in, in regards to being, you know, a forever student, um, for me, that's because I'm never satisfied. Like I, I can, I can learn so much about a topic, but then I go back to work and I put that topic to action mm-hmm. and then I start to figure out that I still don't know much about that topic. And so I go back to the same person, whether it's a course, whether it's a mentorship, whatever it is, I go back to the same person. Hey man, I went back to work. I tried this topic and yeah, some of it made sense, but then I failed. So how can I get a little bit more? Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it's exactly how it worked with Charles. Like when I first started doing uh course with Charles and mentorships with Charles, man, I would go back to the gym and I would have people doing eight second eccentrics, overloaded, deficit, snatch grip, blah, blah, blah. And fuck, people would just blow their backs out. And I'm like, wait, I thought this was going to be the answer. No. You know, so like. You, you, you have to, um, you have to under, you have to truly understand that, uh, taking one or two courses does not make you the expert. Um, it, it's, are you familiar with the term imposter syndrome? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was at a genius network event and we asked, um, you know, Joe, when he starts the event, I don't know if you ever heard Charles talk about Genius Network and Joe Polish, but... Well, I was at Joe Polish's house. With, oh, okay. With, with Charles. That nice house, eh? Yeah. I know, crazy Actually, art. With, uh, with, with John McDowell. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, he's coming on next. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So uh, we're talking about imposter syndrome. Or no, sorry. Uh, at the beginning of the event, it's like, what do you want to get out of the event? So I'm sitting in this room and I'm feeling completely outmatched by everyone in that room. Like, I feel like I don't belong. There's people there. Some guys have exited their company for half a billion or a hundred million or 30 million, like entrepreneur marketing geniuses. So I said, I want to clear up like this imposter syndrome. So he gets us to share in a group of like 10 people. And it's like, what do you want? You know, what do you want to get out of this event? Everyone basically starts laughing because everyone in that room has this imposter syndrome. And what I've noticed in people who drive for excellence is this, like, they always feel like they don't actually, they're not, at, they feel they're not at the level that they're actually at. Is that something that resonates with you? Even though you have so much accolades in the strength coaching world with the results you've gotten with your clients, is there still a part of you that feels like you're not actually where you're at? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, my, my, my wife, Jillian, call, calls me out on it every week. Cause I, I come home and yeah, I mean, our, our business is running super smooth, super efficient. I'm very happy. We've got awesome clients. Um, we've got even more awesome staff. Uh, the culture of our gym is perfect, but I want it to be better, you know? And so it's, it's this con, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I think a lot of people here understand like who are going to listen and understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Do you find that helps you, like when you have an NFL guy or an NBA guy come in, do you help, do you think it helps you, the fact that you have that mindset to, to bond with this person who probably has the same mindset? Like, do you, I think athletes, from my experience, all feel the same thing that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, okay, so identical to what you're saying, right? Um, you've got a room full of, successful people and then what did you just say all of them had this imposter yeah, feeling everybody right? well it's kind of the same way when when i'm first meeting a, a new athlete right new athlete to me um actually i can i can use one of my guys um lyndon victor yeah. right two-time olympian okay this this guy's already been to the olympics twice and he's coming to see me like what like what, what am I really going to tell this guy? And he's track and field. 
You know who doesn't run track and field? <laughs> yeah. Th this white guy right here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, shooting bows, shooting rifles, uh, that's all, like, I, we can have a conversation. But like, dude, 10 events, he's a decathlete. So he's coming in to talk to me. And of course, I've got my full professional face on, right? And same thing. He comes in, two-time two athlete, like, you know, he, he's got the Bowerman Award. Like, he, he's just awesome. We both, like, we had this little front for the first probably month. Um, but, but now, I mean, we've been training together over a year. Um, I, I, talked, I just talked to him on the way, on the way up here uh, this morning. Um, you know, we're buddies. We're, we're, we're really good friends. We, we have this trusting relationship because that barrier is down, you know? Um, and so I think that's one of the things is when you, you know, what's the, the cliche saying, right? You're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Super cliche, but, it, but it's actually true. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I have these athletes, these very high level athletes that are filling my room. Well, guess what that just did to the, the average of my gym's culture. It just elevates. It just elevates. Right. So it, it makes me better. It makes my staff better. It makes the other people in the room at the same time better. And guess what? Even when those people leave, the next wave of people that come in, that energy that's maintained within those four walls is still elevated. So to hit on this, I think this imposter thing is actually, if you're okay going down in a bit. So let's say, um, let's say you're a strength coach listening and you've, you know, just start getting into strength coaching. You're five years in, sorry, and you have an Olympian walk in. How do you, as like Ron, when somebody comes in, how do you check that imposter feeling to the side to give the best service you can and feel like you that this athlete is in good hands? Because I think a lot of people getting into athletics like get a big athlete in, and they might they get this freak out. Yeah, I would say early in my career when I started getting athletes. Um, I did have a freak out. Um, and I, and it, I became, uh, I tried to be somebody that I was not. Um, for example, I have a, uh, my very first professional athlete, I think I was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, this guy went number one in the NBA draft. Okay. okay? Which um, is extremely difficult. Dude, I didn't know anything about strength, like being a strength coach. Okay. Um, I did, I tried to show off, I tried to do a bunch of fancy stuff, and it flopped, right? Um, and, you know, fast forwarding, right? So I'm 36 now. 14 years later, when I have an Olympian who comes to me, what do I do? I do exactly what I know, and I don't do anything fancy, okay? Because when, when I stick to my boundaries, and when mm -hmm. I stick to what I know, Rather than trying to, to impress someone who already has these accolades, who already has these high-level achievements, I'm not able to speak the language fluently. So when, when you know, using Lyndon as an example, I kept it very simple. Hey, man, let me see your front squat. Hey, let me see, you know, I used front squat, I used dips, I used uh, snatch. And then I put them into sort of remedial stuff, split squat, um, mm -hmm. the heel elevated, you know, poliquin step-ups. Uh, to kind of finish it off in, in that first workout together. And that was kind of my assessment. Um, but it wasn't fancy, you know. And then from, from there, at the end of that first session, I broke it down everything that I saw from the, from the front squats all the way down to the step-ups. And I was very, very um, high level with how I was breaking down my observations with him and I was speaking the language so fluently that he was able to trust you to trust me. Yeah. It's this idea like um, Bruce Lee had a line. Um, I'm more scared of a man who can do who practices one kick a thousand times and somebody who practices a thousand kicks one time. And, you know, what I'm piecing together, speaking to you, it's like get really good at the basics, understand who you are, be confident in that. But at the same time your skill acquisition and your knowledge acquisition is still at the forefront. You're always learning and evolving, which I think then allows you to speak that language fluently with more tools. Instead of trying to fake a fancy thing, it's like, no, I'm going to go get really good at this, take this course three or four times. The way you're approaching strength coaching, to me, 
is the way I imagine, like when I, I used to dabble in like Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, all that stuff, I was fascinated by it. And I trained for many years, but the guys who are really good, they would sit and do a jab, literally what Bruce Lee said a thousand times. And they'd revisit the jab and learn the jab and they became obsessed. The way you're approaching strength coaching and getting these results, both financially and with your athletes, like it's, it's all coming up. It's not like you're just winning in one area is like you go to a course four times and you really understand it to a point of speaking it fluently. Yeah, exactly. You, that, that's, um, that's where things really start to change. And that's probably the antidote to this whole like imposter syndrome thing. Yeah. Stop, stop trying to be, um, what you perceive are the other experts. Just be the student. It's okay to just be the student. You know, I'm, I, I, I know that, um, I'm doing pretty well in my career. Um, but that doesn't satisfy me, you know? And so, mm -hmm. but when, when I have this mentality of, Hey, just close your mouth, open your ears, go be the student. And, and that's, that's, how, that's the only way. How confident are you when you have a client to say, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Oh, I say that every day. Something I talk to the sales reps at DFS, it's like, if somebody asks us a question about supplements, like, Hey, what about this, this, and this, that it's okay to say, like, I don't know, I'll get back to you. It actually is better. And I think people will take you more seriously. Um, did you find any negative ever when you started coaching clients? And if something did come up that you didn't know to say, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Did anyone ever look down on you for doing something like that? Um, I can tell you that that thought was in my head. Yeah. Um, when I first started learning about hormones and neurotransmitters, okay, um, I would come back to the gym and I would start rattling off everything that I could remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And of course, everyone got a Braverman test. Everyone got a Braverman <laughs> test. Okay. Yeah. Everyone had cortisol, estrogen, insulin issues, yeah, 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 yeah. which most people do anyways. But no, and, and then I would have these people like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, should I go talk to my doctor? And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, this is, first off, this is beyond my scope. Second off, uh, you know, now, you know, sitting in this chair, like th those are just tools, you know, uh, stay within your scope, stay in your lane. Um, be okay to say what's your lane. Be, be okay to say what's in your lane. You know, I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm able to have pretty complex conversations, um, with, with my clients. Um, which is why I think I've created the trust is because we, we get deep, you know, like we, we get deep into, uh, not, not just like the blood, the, like, like the blood result stuff, um, and analyzing and kind of putting them side by side. Uh, but we get deep, like into the, into the emotional status, like the mental status, like, Hey man, like, you know, what's going on? Cause it obviously affects everything in the, in the physical performance in, in the weight room. Um, but also the physical performance on the field. Mm. Right. So, and that's, that's where my specialty is, is how can I get this person to perform their absolute best on the field? Right. Um, not in the gym on the field. Yeah. But, you know, obviously for me, like it's in the, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, but, but obviously for me, you know, my, my laboratory, if you will, is the gym. Um, if they're doing really well in the gym, I can confidently tell them or confidently predict that their performance on the field is going to be, a is going to be okay. I like that. Um, we do have to wrap up. So that's just to summarize, I like to, at the end of every podcast, sort of pick three or four nuggets for people. So tell me if, if this sounds uh, what you were saying. So one forever student, always expand your knowledge. Um, it's okay to say, I don't know things. I think that's a big thing, especially for like new trainers. What I love is sharing your story, like starting at eight fifty an hour and now building yourself up to three seventy five. There is a path, there is a possibility. Um, and I think the one thing that's really trending here is this humility you walk through with life this need, like you don't have this need to sort of show and exaggerate and brag. It's like a humility and you're just trying your absolute best every day to get the results for your clients. Have I missed anything? No, keep, keep it simple. Yeah. Keep, keep it simple. Um, it, it's, it's 100% okay, uh, to fail because usually if you are finding out that you're failing, it's because you, you tried, you know, I like that. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's where most people get stopped is they, they get so caught up in not wanting to fail 
that they don't even try. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you without a doubt that I am where I am today because all I did was try. You know what I mean? Um, I failed, I failed miserably numerous times. Um, I've learned a lot of hard mistakes, um, in, in my 17 year career, 18 year career. Um, man, we're old dude. I know. <laughs> um, you know, even more, you know, I started the brick and mortar, yeah. uh, the, the gym facility, it's been nine years and I can't tell you when I started the gym, I thought I knew everything. Yeah. And, and then you realize and, you know nothing. And then now, yeah. yeah, like right now, it's so smooth. But, you know, in, in the next 12 months, I'll have three locations total. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Sorry. You didn't have, you made it work 1,800 square feet, not top of the line equipment. You just got what you needed. You got the space. You made it work. You got the results. Now you're evolving. You're going to be opening two more locations. It's, I think it's important for coaches to hear this because it's like you don't need everything right away to get the results. You also don't need so my first my very first facility. I know we're trying to wrap up. No, my, it's okay. my my very first facility was nine thousand square feet. Oh, okay. And last year, uh, so I moved out of that facility um, at the end of twenty nineteen, and I started in in a one fifth size approximately of my first facility. So I downsized to eighteen hundred square feet from nine thousand to eighteen hundred square feet. And I did all this starting up during COVID. And, you, and now you're going to be opening to three times. In, in my second year, I beat the revenue of my best year of my first facility. So on another podcast we did with this gentleman, Nick, he talks about this like evolution of like, yeah, like he's like, he, he has an interesting model where it's like you rent $1,200 a month. If you're a trainer, you get to use their gym. No one's your boss. But this idea of like, look at how do you make yourself more efficient? to get the same amount of money, if not more money, less time put out, less overhead, less expenses. It's always not about the biggest, most, you know, showy thing. So if people want to find you, um, your Instagram is. Yeah. My, my personal Instagram is just Ronnie inserta. Okay. Um, you know, the, the gym name is Oak fit. Oak fit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you got some cool events coming out that we'll definitely post here. Um, when we get more details on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's I, only ten spots. I don't necessarily want to. I want to go, so I want to make sure I have one. Are you talking about uh, Camp Vertex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Camp Vertex. That, that's the other thing is. So I've got I've got three locations that are that are going to be open, um, but I've also got these really awesome other projects that we're doing. Well, we're definitely going to have to have you back on. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be insane. Yeah. So well, thank you. Yeah, we'll put some information where people can find you if they have any questions. I think you're offering, you're going to want to be offering internships now if people have the, you know, desire to come out and learn and see what you're doing. Um, and then uh, if anyone wants to find me, it's born underscore uh, underscore boxer, B-O-K-S-E-R. But thank you very much. And until next time. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming. For sure. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.